Welcome to the Menlo Midweek Podcast, where we are getting some extra time with the speaker from last Sunday's message to go a little deeper, get some extra thoughts about the message, and get a behind-the-scenes look at their teaching process. We're your hosts, Mark and Jess. Thank you so much for joining us. This is Menlo Midweek. Welcome to the Menlo Midweek Podcast, everybody. My name is Mark. My name is Jessica. And we have Phil back with us today. Hey, everybody. I feel like a downgrade from Donovan last week, to be honest with you. He did a great job. I mean, no comment. He did a great job. He did a great job. (laughs) If you missed Donovan's talk or the podcast last week, you should stop listening to this one and go listen to one of those. It was a really fun episode. It It was. I don't get to chat with Donovan too often, Mm -hmm. but Missy works with him a lot on Wednesday nights for their students program. Yeah. And she loves working with him. Yeah. And I do too. Like Mm -hmm. when when we do get to cross paths, he's just a great guy. I feel like he's pretty wise beyond his years, you know? Seriously. My roommate, Sam, who used to work here... Uh, when she did student ministries with him, she was like, I just like, I don't understand how, why this guy is so talented. Like it's <laughs> unbelievable. And when I told her that he was preaching, she was like, I'm so excited. Like that you guys are so blessed right now. And I was yeah. like, okay, great. And she was right. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. It's great. So Phil. <laughs> just me today. Sorry, everybody. <laughs> no, we're, we're so lucky to have Phil here as consistent as you have been here too. Yes. I feel like. For me personally, it's fun just getting to sit down and have it like 30 minutes to an hour of your time, which is so valuable because I've seen your schedule and it looks atrocious. <laughs> um, but also for all of the people that I've uh, chatted with about the midweek podcast, one of their favorite things is getting to hear more about the speakers that we have on here. Mm-hmm. And so it's really a gift, not only to me, but also all of our community. So thanks for making this a priority, Phil. Sure. That's a nice way of saying we still like you, even though you're not Donovan. Thanks for doing that. It's great. It's our way of saying, we do this every week with you. Yeah, yeah. And we're fine with it. Yeah, yeah, it's great. That's great. <laughs> you know? If you're wondering, like, does Menlo staff have, like, a culture where they have to disproportionately honor Phil? Now you know. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> well, we also get to be blessed by this extra, you know, 45 minutes to an hour getting to know him a little better. Yeah, of course. Yeah. It's, this time is probably the most... <laughs> Like, it's the time of the week that I look forward to the most. Yeah. That's, that's sweet. The conversation, just the prep. I love it. I think yeah. it's, it's, it's really it fun. Is. Yeah. Fun icebreaker question. Oh, yeah. What is, uh, if you had a week off for vacation mm. and you had, um, well, let's say immediate, well, that's not helpful, unlimited resources, what would be your ideal... <laughs> Uh, vacation, summer wow. vacation, summer vacation. Do you want me to narrow it down a little bit? Yes. Okay. Please. You have to stay in the United States. Okay. Uh, with my family or by myself? You pick. Oh, that feels like a trap. <laughs> it's totally a trap. Do you want me to say by yourself? <laughs> Who's telling you to ask this question? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Nobody. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, as a part of, I feel like I already have sort of the answer to this okay. as a part of my mom's inheritance. Uh, we are doing a vacation that's much nicer than we would normally do. And so I gave Alyssa a budget that is much higher than we would normally have for a vacation budget. And so she has booked uh, some time for us in Hawaii, uh, which we've never been uh, in July. So that'll be super fun. Kids will love it. Mm -hmm. Beach stuff, hang, Airbnb there. So that'll be be lovely. Um, I feel like I sort of get to do this every year. I mean, I'm sure that there are more... The United States parameters are, that's a good parameter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I, I'm sure that there are better answers to this question. Um, but every summer, uh, I, for the last five years, have gotten to go to the refuge in Montana and fly fish for a week. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. And that's like me by myself with some pastors. So that is just such a replenishing experience for me that mm-hmm. it, that's in a pinch, probably a quick answer. That's so good. If that sounds familiar to you, Rochelle Summers talked about that mm-hmm. on the podcast mm-hmm. last time she was here too. Yeah, yeah, I definitely want to try to get out there at some mm-hmm. point. Because uh, mine Dude, would we probably got, we, be... we got to get you out there. You love? Have you fished the bighorn before? I haven't fished the bighorn. Ooh, boy, it is really so good. To. It is like if you're not a uh, if you're not a fisher person. Uh, what's the right PC term? I can't say fisherman. Fisher person. A fisher. You're right. Um. Black anyway, fisher. uh, if you enjoy fishing. That's probably a better way to say that. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, there is a river in Montana called the Bighorn River. And, you know, rivers are often measured by the density of fish that mm-hmm. exist inside of a specific stretch. And it has some of the highest density of fish anywhere in the world. So you have people that will fly in to fish it. Um, and it is 
just so incredibly fun. Really, really fun. Yeah. So, and, and if you're anything like me, that won't be a good excuse for why I did not catch fish. So, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I always catch fish, but like one of my buddy Matt is there with me. Uh, we've been together. I think I think every time he's been with me, uh, he's just an am- he's amazing. And uh, there was one day I think he caught twenty fish nice. in a day. Wow! I'm just like it's incredible. What does that feel like? That's so for someone who's not a fisher yeah what's like an average i mean there are some days you walk away you haven't caught anything yeah Mm -hmm. and then there are some days where you're like i caught one or two that was fun i would say five plus is like that was a good day wow more than 10 yeah more than 10 you're like i am incredible at this i should become professional 20 is like you should probably be a pro like you're so good so interesting yep yeah depends a lot what's your is that your dream vacation? My dream vacation too? was probably going to be some version of a national parks trip yeah. or doing something like that. Or if it was Missy and myself, we've never been to Florida. Mm. Oh. And so doing like a Disney World kind of a thing with unlimited money sounds sure. really yeah. fun. Although I did say summer vacation. I'm not sure that's Ooh. the spot you want to go. Oh, man. Yeah. That's, hot. Yeah, that's a curveball. My parents just moved there and they're like, are you going to come visit? And I was like, see you in October. Yeah, maybe for Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> we went to Disney World for Christmas in 2020, which, you know, hindsight. Hmm. Um, Florida reopened after like a month. I'm not sure they were closed. Yeah, for sure. Uh, <laughs> Jubilee said they were. He's it was really there. jarring, actually. It was really, because yeah, I mean, I'm we sure. were, yeah. yeah, it was all still pre-lockdown for us. Um, but it was actually very nice at how warm it still was there. Mm. But my brother lived there for years, my oldest brother. And uh, so we, I mean, for his wedding and stuff was all down there. And it was just the worst. I mean, you walked outside and you were instantly covered in sweat. Mm. It was irrationally hot. Yeah. Irrationally hot. Yeah. That's what I was trying to think through. I'm like, well, you can't stay, go anywhere in the southern part because mm-hmm. it's just humid. Mm-hmm. Uh, I actually was going to say Montana, too, because I actually have a cousin wow. that moved there maybe a year ago. And her brother-in-law owns a resort out there. Mm-hmm. And she's posted pictures. And I'm like, nice. how is that real? And I don't know what their weather like is in the summer, but. I just thought that would be such a beautiful refuge place. Refuge is, is beautiful in the summer. It's yeah. absolutely perfect. So well, we'll do a Menlo midweek from the Montana uh, podcast Menlo midweek at the refuge. We'll see so what down. we can get done. Yeah, yeah. That. But I'm gonna I'm gonna see if I can get you a spot, Mark. I'll we'll see if you. I can get it done. It might not be this Ooh. summer because I think they're booked. Okay. But I should have thought of that before now. That's once you go, it's like a weird thing. They don't really advertise it. But like once you go, you're in this kind of weird fraternity of people uh, or yeah, sorority because yeah. they're ladies. Do you have to get branded? Um, I can't talk about it. There's a whole process. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Nice. Well, that's fun. Speaking of marking moments. Oh, segue. Baptism. Segue king. What an amazing time that was this weekend. Oh my gosh. Raise your hand if you cried. It was. I cried because I was looking at my computer screen and I was like, this is translating through the internet into my home office. Yeah. I got to be in Saratoga this weekend, A, just to see their whole new facility and the new screen and everything is so cool and so fun and uh just getting to go to other campuses is always a treat on sunday mornings and then so the first service they had a a one planned which was a great um you know story and everything and then we did the spontaneous and this Mm -hmm. sweet 81 year old lady (laughs) wow walked up and wanted to be baptized because the message like impacted her she's like i guess it's about time and it's like yeah oh my gosh she didn't want to go in the water so he just you know did a little bit on the head but uh, and he josh robertson even had to stop and be like oh i'm getting emotional i was like yeah obviously Mm -hmm. it was so cool (laughs) yeah it was fun yeah menlo park uh it was really special i mean i i think this this weekend for me um yeah like these are these are really special moments i think for people to be able to um, take a step, recognize a step. For some people, it's a long time coming. For some people, it's it's pretty recent, and you get to kind of watch this sort of intersection of people's individual story and collective celebration. And uh, Mark Warner, who's the campus pastor at Menlo Park, uh, Mark Warner is uh, just a gift to our mm-hmm. community. Mm-hmm. He is un. Believable. Don't tell him I said that. I don't want to get arrogant about it. Mm. But he we'll is, see if he listens. Uh, yeah, yeah. He really like. I've said this, Mark is a, he's a top 1% leader in the world. Like he's, wow. he's incredible. He's yeah. an incredible manager, incredible leader, incredible pastor. Uh, and this weekend he was like kind of just setting the table for it. 
And, you know, our 830 service at Menlo Park is our legacy service. It's more traditional elements. Uh, folks that have been walking with the Lord in, in, in most cases for a very long time. Mm-hmm. And so he said, hey, at the end of our service, we're going to do this baptism thing. And he said it much more eloquent than that, by the way. <laughs> and he said, I know that for many of you, you got baptized many years ago. Um, but if you want to sort of commemorate this time or rededicate on some level kind of this time, I just want to encourage you, you can just walk by the tank and just run your hand through the water. Mm. And uh, so you had these folks in their 70s, 80s, 90s that were walking by the tank and running their hand through the water. And it was just, you could just kind of watch it. It was instantly taking them back decades mm. and just, I mean, some of them literally just weeping. Mm. Um, and he told he told the story of one of the baptisms we were going to have at 1030 um, of a young man named Christian. Christian became a, a Christian in prison at 18. Wow. Um, mm-hmm. And then for the last 10 years, said, I really haven't been walking. He said, I, the, he, it was a very interesting the way he described it in his um, story statement. He said, uh, I haven't been walking into the truth for very long. Oh. And I was like, oh, man, that's wow. a, oh, gosh, I don't like how that feels. Like, <laughs> yeah. it's just a very, mm-hmm. it's a very thoughtful way to put it. Yeah. And he said, um, I never, this was like, it'll make me a little emotional saying it now. He said, uh, I've never been baptized because I didn't think I was worthy of it. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Oh, I got the chills. And, that was uh, good. He said, I'm 32 days sober mm-hmm. and I'm getting baptized because this is, this is the life I want to live now. And so it's just like, and as he read it at 1030, it was almost inaudible because he was just trying to fight yeah. back tears oh. and it was beautiful. And, uh, and then after a service at the 1030, you watched some of the most enthusiastic people to meet him mm. down the middle were some of our oldest congregants at that service. And they were just like, mm. like proud grandparents Aww. for somebody they'd never met. It was incredible. And just so proud of our church for that. And then uh, we had a handful of other baptisms that were really sweet, cool stories. Uh, I think three of them were kind of young adult space. And then we had a, a younger guy, a younger little boy. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. um, I think his name is Doug. Uh, was a spontaneous baptism, um, you know, kind of talked about how his faith journey for him has been the last 10 years. And it was basically like, I, I need to finally like really commit. I'm in. And so that's what that meant for him. And so, uh, it was, yeah, it was, it was really special, super fun, kind of like watch people wake up and be like, wait, this is a thing that happens, you know? And so, uh, we did sort of an invitation thing and, uh, I'm always, I'm always hopeful that God's writing stories in those times of decision and commitment that we'll get to know about years and years later. That's mm-hmm. not really, it's not real, not really our business, right? That's yeah. kind of between them and the Lord. Mm-hmm. But I think, uh, baptism people are letting it be our business a little bit and we get to celebrate <laughs> with them. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it was great. It was, it was a really fun weekend. And both those Menlo Park services are online to watch, right? They are. Yeah. Yep. You can find those on YouTube or in our app as well. We have the messages there. So. And then we had just so many students getting baptized at both San Mateo and yep. Mountain yeah. View. Yeah. Uh, well, I don't know about the spontaneous ones, but mm. when I was doing the count beforehand, I think we had 11 planned, and I think seven of them were students. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah, yeah. Amazing. So, Way to go to students' team. Um, yeah. yeah, crushing it. Great job. And, you know, not not trying to let everybody know how much more awesome he is than me, but students director at San Mateo's Donovan. So. <laughs> common, yeah, I think they had the most students. Common denominator, I guess. <laughs> it was kind of funny because Donovan told Missy that one of the girls in her group was going to be baptized. And Missy was like, texted that girl immediately. Why didn't you tell me oh my gosh. you were going to get baptized? Students don't Such realize that. Thing. That happened to me once too. Really? And I was like, wait, yeah. what? Oh my gosh, mm-hmm. this is a really big deal. Mm-hmm. Yep. So funny. So Missy went there and just was just probably crying for the rest of the day. Yeah, Yeah, it was great. But I think, you know, like uh, I am of the opinion and it's an opinion uh, that there is like a palpable spiritual hunger in America, like period. Mm -hmm. And I think that there is a palpable spiritual hunger in the Bay Area. Mm -hmm. Um, I've been doing this for a while. Um Longer than Donovan. Just playing. Uh, I don't even know, actually. Somehow he could have been doing it longer than me, too. That wouldn't even surprise me. Um, but uh, I would just say there's like a a hunger for complex truths mm. taught simply and directly and clearly. 
And, uh, and so like this weekend is exactly that. Like it was just a fastball down the middle of like, this is what the gospel is. And it was a, I mean, Donovan did a great job setting it up last week, kind of talking about, Hey, what is this? What do we do with it? Et cetera. Mm -hmm. And then just giving people a chance to actually respond to it. And then talking about responding through baptism. Um, and I think you just saw, you just sensed a little bit of it. You just sensed, Oh, there's something something under, just under the surface waiting to emerge in this. So it was fun and uh, I think like really hopeful for me about what the Lord might do in the future. And mm -hmm. yeah, it was cool. It was just cool to be a part of. And those people's stories will, will always include Menlo Church and, and that's mm -hmm. a gift for our whole community. Mm -hmm. so. And on top of all of these amazing baptism moments that we had, we also had a message as well. Yeah. So, Phil, let's dive into your message a little bit. And how do you approach a baptism Sunday message? Is that different than a series message or different than a one-off-y message? And how, how much of that played into what you ended up talking about this past weekend? Yeah, so uh, I would say it depends on a, a number of different factors. Having not um, been a part of a baptism service at Menlo yet, uh, I really did kind of want to put some of my own fingerprints on mm. the way we think about and approach baptism. And mm -hmm. so uh, spontaneous baptisms, that was a thing I essentially asked the team, hey, is this something we can begin to facilitate? And not like in an overhype you know, mm -hmm. jump to the balcony and take a water slide down to the baptist. Like, I just think when we read the New Testament, there are times where people like, immediately make a commitment to follow Jesus and literally at one point like hey let's pull over and get baptized that's how that's how quickly they understood mm -hmm. baptism to be connected when they were making commitments as adults or uh making individual faith commitments and so when that's the form of baptism we're talking about um i just think leaving room for the holy spirit to do something in the moment can be really powerful um so yeah i think that, that was helpful. Uh, I, I also think, um, you know, Jesus' baptism really encapsulates two very important components of baptism for a believer, um, which is uh, repentance and obedience. Now, when we baptize mm -hmm. an infinite Menlo, if you're not familiar with the theology behind that, it's essentially understanding the initiating work of God. So anyone that's making a decision to follow Jesus, sort of the reformed framework theologically, is that anyone that has made a decision to follow Jesus Jesus has already uh, pursued that person in love. Now, there's this does not mean everyone at Menlo is Reformed theologically or a Calvinist or any of that. That's totally fine. But the kind of Presbyterian Reformed framework is when we baby, when we baptize a baby, uh, what we're doing is we're sort of saying intentionally, God is faithful and already beginning a work in us. Mm -hmm before we have any active role in that. And I think sometimes when we get baptized as adults or when we get baptized older, sometimes it can feel like, well, I'm, I'm doing something, you know? And I think there's actually mm. something subtly deceptive about that. So I, I just think it's, it's important that we name the difference between those two things. And so this weekend's message allowed me to really call out that difference. Mm -hmm. um, and then to talk about, especially the component of repentance, which I think is really important for us to remind ourselves we're not adding an attachment onto the modern secular ethic. Um, Jesus calls us to a different way. Uh, that's why followers of Jesus in the first century were, were called followers of the way. They weren't mm -hmm. called Christians. That was actually a, a pejorative term given to them later. Um, so I think that, uh, yeah, my, my hope is that in the future we'll get to do it a number of different ways, but usually when it's baptism weekend, I, I hope it's more celebratory. Uh, I hope we get to like clearly talk about what is the gospel, some version of what is baptism, and then just draw, call people to respond, making that a regular rhythm of our church. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I think this time that's why I approached it the way that I did, but there'll be times that it's in a series, there'll be times that it's a totally one-off different thing. Um, but what I don't want is I don't want baptism to feel like um, just an element of a service that if you watched the sermon from that service and then watched the baptism, you weren't sure if they were a part of the same service. I think that, mm -hmm. um, I think that's a miss. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so when you're running it through that context, and of course, like you said, this is your first time uh, leading us through a service here at Menlo for baptisms. You you started out by giving context around what baptism is and how that relates to culture today. And I love how you you kind of bridged the gap and you, and you started by saying um, something, something along the lines of Fairweather fans and mm -hmm. oh, yeah. bringing that into um, today's context. Speaking of last night, tough loss. But tough loss. 
It's going to be okay. Maybe. I don't think the series is over. Okay. I don't think the series is over. This is honestly where Bay Area sports thrive is when they're down three. Yeah, yeah. Moments, it's, so we'll it's, it's possible. I think. Knock on wood. Uh, man, Steph's got to find that three. Yeah. So we haven't seen Steph in a few weeks. Steph, mm-hmm. I'm here for you, bro. Are you listening? Yeah, dude. We'll <laughs> we'll pray for you. You just hit, hit me up, dude. We'll pray yeah. for you. Just He's a big fan of the podcast. Big fan. Big, big friend big of the show. Um, yeah. But yeah, that's. It. I think that it's it's such a, it's so interesting to me to watch California sports fans hmm. because I heard about it. <laughs> I heard about it, but I'd never seen it. Mm-hmm. And Colorado sports fans, other than the Rockies, because they're terrible, uh, sports fans are super hardcore, super hardcore. So it does not matter what's going on. Like that game is going to be the thing. Hmm. It was kind of that way when we were in Seattle as well. People mm-hmm. in Seattle, I think, are like. Oh my gosh! I can't believe we got a professional sports team. Right, and because they lost their basketball team, mm-hmm. um, I, I think they have even greater fervor for the teams that they still have. The Seahawks fans, are and those Seahawks fans yeah. are next Crazy. level. I'm telling yeah. you. And so, uh, but then out here, it's like there's just so much to do, and it's like, mm-hmm. and there's just like kind of a California vibe of like chill, chill. That <laughs> uh, sports feel like kind of a little bit more of an afterthought. Like it's a thing that comes up, but. Uh, it feels like a smaller subset, and so the Fairweather fan thing feels, you know, all of a sudden they win a game, and I'm like, oh, I didn't know all you had Warriors jerseys. That's that's cool, <laughs> you know. Um, and then yeah, they're down three one. I I haven't seen any Warriors jerseys today, so. Yeah. Well, tomorrow's the game, so maybe you'll see some tomorrow. Maybe, but I'm saying like normally you you <laughs> no, see it the whole yeah. series in the playoffs, yeah. you know. That's true. So, yeah. Donovan was wearing Lakers stuff. He he was he was, and I mean. I'm not convinced that the Lakers can beat anybody else. Uh, you know, not to make, turn this into a sports podcast or anything, but I, David Anthony Davis that he's like continued to be healthy this playoff run is yeah. pretty miraculous. Mm-hmm. Like, and I'm I mean, I'm not wishing any ill on him, but you got <laughs> like LeBron James and I went yeah. to high school eight minutes from each other at the same time. No way. <laughs> yeah, and so uh, like I mean, I I watched the come up of LeBron yeah. James in high school, and he I mean he was. Like nothing anyone had ever seen sure. before. He was wow. he was uh, outscoring entire opposing teams as a high school student. Did your school play them? Oh no, zero percent. No, no, no. Oh. He was like in a because <laughs> they were in different. Yeah, yeah. No, he. They, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> not even close. Um, <laughs> but uh, you know, I think like LeBron James is my age, and I mean, in slightly different physical condition than I am. I guess <laughs> slightly in uh, a little bit different. Genetic. That's really funny because when I walked in here today, I was yeah, like, yeah. "Oh, we have LeBron no, on the couch." I know. I <laughs> like, oh, never mind. It's Phil. But oh, I, no. But I just think like LeBron woke up today after playing all that. If I woke up today after doing what he did last night, yeah, I would need two and a half months to recoup. Mm-hmm. Yep. So you just, I just factor that stuff in my head. Mark yeah. had a basketball injury recently, I didn't did. you? Yeah, I had a game last Sorry. night. Doing okay. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. but. That's, yeah, that's really interesting. Um, Fairweather fans, and also how when we truly identify around a certain thing, whether that is fandom, whether that is a relationship with God, there's a transformation that starts to happen mm-hmm. within us. And we like to say here that baptism is an external showing of an internal transformation. Sure. And one of the things that you said as well is how when you begin to follow Jesus and you say yes to that, there is a transformation that happens between you and God. But when you show that outside, there's a transformation that brings heaven, not only to yourself, but to those around you in the place that you're in. I thought that was brilliant. Can you say more about that? Yeah. So, uh, you know, what's, what's funny in ministry is these are lines that I've said for a long time, but Menlo's (laughs) never heard them. So, uh, if you're like, that's, that's so cool. Oh yeah. That's the thing Mm -hmm. that I guess that I've said for a long time. Um, but yeah, that line, uh, that personal faith will bring us to heaven, but Mm -hmm. public faith brings heaven here. Really the text that I got that line from is there's more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner that turns to God rather than 99 righteous people who have no need for repentance. And so, um, I talked about it, I think a little bit, at least in one of the services, uh, around this idea that there is a party in heaven. That that's what that text means. There's a party in heaven, uh, when somebody turns to God and, mm-hmm. and when that, when that decision becomes public, I think we get to join the party. Mm-hmm. And so, especially when people do this spontaneously, right? Like they've just made a decision mm-hmm. and now they're getting baptized. Um, I, I just think that there's something r- pretty crazy about, about that experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for somebody like Christian, you know, who's been sitting on that decision for a decade, right? Uh, for a little boy or girl to decide I'm going to get baptized, 
those are those are pretty monumental moments. And so mm-hmm. uh, I think this idea of we we have so much hurt and pain in the world around us to have those moments of like hope and redemption and grace that are made visible through something like baptism. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of, it's a sacramental purpose. Like there's there's a grace that we experience in that moment. Uh, that dude, I yeah, I would never miss a baptism service. I mean, they're they're incredible, and mm-hmm. it was it's hard for me uh, on st- times like that because you know I got a text in like the Teams thread or something from Josh that that lady had been baptized, mm-hmm. at, and instantly I was like, oh, I wish I could be there, you know, and like yeah. I I can't be in four places at once, but um, that those are just yeah, those are sacred moments for sure. Yeah. Mm. It's it's a great way to describe it as sacred because we had a we put up a few things on Instagram and YouTube and stuff and one of the comments was I think in another language and this person said something along the lines of like a baptism is like the best moment that a person can have or something like that mm-hmm. and so I've been thinking about that a little bit too but um yeah I love that you also I I thought that it was kind of interesting too Phil you you used the text that some people um that may might not approach scripture in the same way that I don't want to say we do, but certain groups do about baptism of the spirit as right, well. Right. So I wanted mm-hmm. to talk to you a little bit more about that. Maybe could you set that up, set up that framework and then how you arrive there? Yeah. So, uh, basically, you know, John the Baptist really, if we're going to nerd out on the podcast, which is what I do here, um, mm-hmm. John the baptizer is actually probably a better tag for how we translate it from Greek. But, uh, <laughs> John the Baptizer is talking about, hey, I came and I'm giving you um, ba- the baptism of repentance, which I love the idea mm-hmm. of uh, somebody just kind of like somebody's hearing John. They do not have a faith framework uh, mm-hmm. of Jesus. <laughs> they do not understand the Messiah. They do not understand the kingdom of heaven as it's going to be depicted in Jesus. And John's just like, hey, you guys are the worst. The kingdom of God's really close. You better repent and do this thing where I put you under the water. Um, it's a shocker that you would think that with and, your personality, right? <laughs> and then, and then people did it. You're like, and the next day, like, all right, I'm ready for part two of the sermon series, John. He's like, cool. Here's this part two. Mm-hmm. You're the worst. Kingdom of God's coming really soon. You should get baptized. I'm like, well, I already got baptized yesterday. What do I do? Go bring a friend. Like that's mm-hmm. that's the strategy. Mm-hmm. The everyday strategy. And he's out there eating bugs, living in the woods. Mm-hmm. John the baptizer, wild. And he says, but there's one coming after me. And he describes this baptism of fire of the Holy Spirit. Um, he's like, I don't even deserve to handle this guy's sandals. And that's Jesus. That's the Messiah. And so when Jesus shows up, John the baptizer knows immediately who he is. I mean, they knew each other before this moment. Um, but there's this seminal moment um, where the Messiah, there's all, these, there's all these promises or prophecies that are called messianic prophecies, hundreds of them written before Jesus was ever born. Um, I, I want to phrase that differently. Before Jesus' earthly ministry ever began, before he was born in the flesh, but he's existed as a co-eternal person of the Trinity. Just want to clean that theology up. Thank you. Um, I know Mark, he's got that little, you know, little alarm bell if you're watching this online. Um, I got to cut that part out. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. Um, And so uh, Jesus shows up and he's like, hey, I need you to baptize me to basically fulfill the prophecy. And John's like, no, no, you should baptize me. And then Jesus is like, no, 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 really, you baptize me. And so that baptism was something unique. And the way that John describes it, there's a stream of theological understanding within Christianity. And these are not, like, I'm not saying this is a cult or false religion. I'm just saying, like, we understand it differently. Uh, The kind of charismatic Pentecostal space, and not everyone inside of charismatic or Pentecostal theological paradigms would agree with this, but there is a view within that, that there's what's sometimes called a second blessing, um, or a mm-hmm. baptism of the Holy Spirit. And so that idea is uh, that you would make a decision to follow Jesus, and then at some point in the future, you receive the Holy Spirit. And there's two predominant views within that. One is uh, that you speak in tongues, which is like a language that is not a human language, an angelic language that God gives you. This is a spiritual gift depicted in the New Testament. However, it seems pretty clear that not everyone gets it. Um 
And then uh, there's a subgroup of people that describe something called being slain in the spirit, where basically like the Holy Spirit would take over you and you'd kind of like pass out. Um, the tough part for me with that one theologically is I see it nowhere in the Bible. Um, but those two ideas are that uh, in order for you to receive the Holy Spirit, one of those two things has happened. So they would say that's spirit baptism or the second blessing. Mm-hmm. I think the New Testament paradigm is that Jesus ascends to heaven. So Jesus lives a, a perfect life, dies in our place, comes back from the grave, uh, is on earth for quite a while, actually, um, and then ascends to heaven. And once he ascends to heaven, he's like, hey, everybody, uh, just go get ready. And they're all like, oh, my gosh, what do we do? Um, and then Pentecost happens. Uh, which is this thing we remember from uh, the book of Acts, where the Holy Spirit shows up and actually indwells the first followers of Jesus, and the church begins. And they're doing crazy stuff. Like, they're healing people, and they're not just speaking angelic tongues. They're speaking one language, and the people that they're preaching to, simultaneous translation, AI style, are hearing it in their ear in their native language. Like God's doing that mm-hmm. to multiply the impact of the gospel in the early church. And and then um, it certainly appears from like all the references to it in the New Testament that the Holy Spirit is concurrently at the same time indwelling everyone who chooses to follow Jesus. So before Pentecost, you could choose to follow Jesus, and then it was only at Pentecost that the Holy Spirit indwelled those people. After Pentecost, the moment you chose to follow Jesus, the Holy Spirit indwells you. Now, does that mean you are living a Holy Spirit-empowered life? I would argue not necessarily. There, there's some there's some steps you take in that experience. Um, but I think this idea of like, I mean, I, I was literally talking to someone that kind of is in with this within this theological slipstream last week, hmm. and they were like, "I've just been praying. Uh, I've been praying for a second blessing. I've been praying for tongues, hmm. and uh, I just the Lord's never given it. I mean, it's been decades. And I'm like, cool, pray for it, go nuts. But like, I just want you to know, you're not a second class citizen in the eyes of God. Like that's that's not how this works. Mm-hmm. Paul literally talks about the fact that some people are given these gifts, and some people are given these gifts, and some mm-hmm. people are given these gifts." And that just may not be the gift for you. I don't speak in tongues. That's not a gift that God has given me. I uh, in, in the world of spiritual gifts, there's two categories. One's called cessationists. Those are folks that believe all those miraculous sign gifts like tongues and healings and prophecy, that all of those uh, basically ceased at the end of the apostolic age. So as the apostles died, um, that Jesus was using that, God was using that to start the church, but then they they went away. And then there are what are called continuists, uh, which are folks that believe that all of those gifts can mm-hmm. function in righteous ways today. I'm a continuist, so I believe that all the gifts exist today. Uh, but I also don't think that some of them make you better than others because mm-hmm. the New Testament clearly talks about it. Mm-hmm. So anyway, long answer to a short question, but that's my take on uh, baptism of the Holy Spirit and spirit baptism that we see as a paradigm in the new testament awesome and just to clarify for those that might wonder hey so i just watched five ten whatever people at my campus get baptized what does that mean for them like what what is happening what has caused them to do that what will happen from here on out what are the hopes for that so how is that different than a baptism of the spirit yeah yeah so uh water baptism for someone who's making a decision to personally follow jesus They've never been baptized before. That's really, um, you know, you said at the beginning, Mark, kind of this it's this outward sign of an inward transformation. Uh, sometimes with students, I would say, we get these moments in our life that if we leverage them well, they become momentum for our life. <laughs> and I think baptism, water baptism for us, if we let it, it can become a spiritual moment that creates spiritual momentum. Um, kind of this anchor that we say, hey, you know what? I'm having a tough week, but I remember what God did back then. I'm having a tough year, but I remember what God did back then. I remember a commitment I made. And I think that there are a few things like this in life that give us sort of a shadow of that same thing, right? If you're married, you maybe you're having like a sideways day uh, with your spouse, but you remember your wedding day. Like you remember everybody showing up. You remember the commitments that you made. And it wasn't that your wedding day made you love that person. It was the day that you kind of publicly communicated and made a decision. Um, And I think that baptism sort of marks a sense of that Hmm. uh, with God where we can look back and go, you know what? It's a tough season. There's some questions I have. I'm mad at God maybe. Whatever your thing is, but you go, man, this is really who I'm going to be. And that's why I really resonated with um, the way Christian talked about it. Because for him, he said, this is the life 
I want to live. And it was like very clear, hey, there's been plenty of people in my life that have wanted me to live this way, but this, I'm doing this now because I want to live this way. Yeah. And so I think uh, it's it's a really fun sort of community expression. Uh, I referenced a text early in my talk uh, where Jesus says, everyone who acknowledges me before men, uh, I also will acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, uh, I will also deny before my Father who is in heaven. I think there is a, a public expression of our faith that baptism shows up as well. And I think as we take that step in obedience, God is fueling our convictional understanding of what it means to walk with him. So, um, you know, every, we're not, we're not going to twist anybody's arm. We want God to, mm-hmm. to do the work. Um, but I think baptism gives a really beautiful, um, reminder that he mm-hmm. can do just that. Nice. So. Can you get baptized more than once? So, um, I mean, physically, of course, well, I, I, <laughs> yeah, I think, um, you know, the, the understanding of baptism is that uh, really God is the one doing the work, and so I think where we get in trouble. And I grew up, uh, I grew up in a Baptist church, so it wasn't necessarily that we got baptized a bunch of times, but the number of times that you were like, "All right, I'm gonna make sure I'm really saved," you know, <laughs> like I'm gonna, you know, I'm in again. Every camp, you're like, "I became a Christian again." Yeah. Um, and so uh, I, I just think understanding that God is the one doing the work. Uh, God is actively the one um, wooing us and winning us. Uh, so I think, you know, if, if you've been baptized before, I would say you, you don't need to be baptized again. Like, if for you, you need an opportunity to sort of recommit to that. Maybe that's a pastoral conversation. Maybe that's a, a faith step of some kind. But I just don't want baptism to become something where it's like, all right, got to go get my booster shot of Jesus. Like, that's not what it's supposed to be um, because it's not really about you. Like, it's yeah. about him and what he's doing. And so I think sometimes when we like when we just go, hey, I'm going to get keep getting baptized, what it communicates is like, God, you really haven't quite done enough. And sort of the finished work and the initiating power of God when you get baptized, I think biblically is, is supposed to be once. Yeah. I was baptized when I was, I think, seven or eight. Mm-hmm. And... um what I remember about it is our pastor at the church growing up was leaving and this was going to be his last time doing baptisms. And so my mom strongly <laughs> encouraged my brother and I to get baptized because mm. she wanted us to be baptized by him. And I'm honestly like, I'm sure I probably was all in like that makes sense. But, uh, I remember as I got older and like felt like I had really understood what baptism was. I like wanted to get baptized again. And when I first started coming to Menlo, I was talking to my boss about it and he was the youth pastor at the time, and he said almost the exact same thing. And he's like, it's not about you. Right, right. It's about mm. the work that the Holy Spirit did in that moment. Right. I was like, oh, okay. That's I right. also think we like we need to make sure that it's not so rigid. Like, I would never say to somebody, you're not allowed to get that. Like, that just right. isn't me. Um, so I, I think there, it needs to be an individual conversation. Um, but yeah, I was, I was baptized at six, mm-hmm. you know, and, uh, I, I couldn't swim by the way. So my biggest fear in getting baptized was that I was going to go underwater and I was going to choke. <clears throat> and so like my pastor coached me, he did great, coached me a hundred times about how to do that well. And then I went underwater and I choked, um, <laughs> and everybody laughed and it was very embarrassing. Oh my gosh. Um, but, uh, you know, for me, I've never, I've never really sensed that need to get baptized again. For me, there was, especially in my kind of like home and family story and all that, there's like a lot sort of wrapped up in it. Um, so I would also say like, you know, the Lord may be putting that on your heart and like on purpose. And yeah. so, um, yeah, I think there's the, there's the theological framework that I always want to make sure somebody understands cause I'm a nerd and I think it matters. Um, but I also think like listening to and responding to what the Holy Spirit's telling you is mm-hmm. sort of a big deal. So. Yeah. We had, we got a question from someone that texted in and I have an answer, but I'd like for you to give an answer to you. I feel like we're pretty much on the same page on this, but the question was something along the lines of, I got baptized when I was younger. Does it count? Yeah, sure. Sure. Well, so I would say a couple things. Um, Number one, uh, what was the faith tradition you were baptized in? Right. So a lot of times we'll hear about, you know, the two groups that by and large, we're going to think about in our world, that get baptized as babies would be Presbyterians and Roman Catholics. Very different understandings of what just happened. Mm-hmm. So uh, Presbyterian, God is the active agent in your life. Um, we're sort of in faith recognizing that God is already working on you. Like, that's what we're doing. Right. Um, Roman Catholicism, there's a theological framework called um, 
baptismal regeneration. They believe that, um, and I'm not saying this pejorative, I'm just telling you what they believe. They believe that baptism is removing original sin from that baby. Mm. Um, Again, for Roman Catholicism, that's because they believe that Scripture and tradition are on equal footing. And so for them, it's not a, it's not a theological conflict. For them, tradition tells me that this is what this does. So even if the Bible doesn't, these are, these are on equal footing. And uh, so if that was your context of being baptized and you're following Jesus and you're not Roman Catholic, um, and you're going, I don't really think that that baptism— was helpful in my life, I would tend to agree with you. Mm-hmm. Um, if you were baptized as a baby, kind of within a reformed understanding of God's active agency in your life, again, same kind of deal. Like I would just want to make sure you understand additional baptism is not necessary for you. We see uh, we see uh, an example even in the New Testament where an entire family gets baptized. And it's this idea, I think, of like God's working in all of us, even uh, children that would at that time have not known Jesus yet. So um, yeah, I, I don't want to say you're not allowed or it doesn't count or not count based on what I know, but baptism, water baptism is never a salvation issue. It does not get you saved. It does not keep you from getting saved. So uh, this outward sign of an inward transformation, when you are ready to take that step, if you've never been baptized or you've been baptized in a context that was a completely different faith tradition, like Roman Catholicism, or, you know, there are other uh, completely different religions that have a form of baptism that obviously the, the meaning is completely different and you go, well, now it means something completely different for me. I think baptism could be a great step for you, but I, I, I would want to have some follow-up questions. Mm-hmm. Great. I pretty much said the exact opposite. So perfect. perfect. <laughs> <laughs> I You're that, going to, I hell. know that's not true. <laughs> I know that's not true. Uh, and then another question that that we got was spontaneous baptisms is kind of a newer thing for Menlo. Yep. Mm-hmm. And so how can we approach that intelligently? Um, can you give some space to some of the people in our congregation that are like, yes, this is a great opportunity to invite everyone in. But then on the other hand, people might say, man, this could be, you know, something that we've thought about so carefully for so long and had to attend classes or this or that. And because of some of those holdups, like I wasn't allowed to or whatever. So sure. yeah, yeah. What are your thoughts? Uh, Man, I love that question, by the way. That is a great, great question, and I think it taps into a tension. Um, You know, in in life, there are problems to solve and tensions to manage. I think that idea is a tension to manage. I think in the... um, There are versions of gatekeeping inside of faith traditions and practices that are actually helpful and healthy. Boundaries are a blessing. But then there are versions of gatekeeping that I think the New Testament would say not to do. Uh, and we've probably talked about this before, but Acts 15, the Jerusalem Council, there's all this controversy in the first century. You have a whole bunch of people that are asking new converted Christians who are not Jews to do a bunch of Jewish traditions. James, the half-brother of Jesus, basically from the Jerusalem Council is like, hey, I figured it out. And he says this line, if you ever in my office, you'll see it a couple places. It just says, we should not make it difficult for Gentiles turning to God. And, uh, and I think Similarly, like I want to give people an informed understanding of baptism and informed understanding of a decision to follow Jesus. And that's one of the reasons that before we did spontaneous baptisms, I talked about it for 30 minutes, you know, like because this wasn't just like a, oh, let's now let anybody that wants to do this do it with very little information. Uh, and so I think that can help. Um, but I would just say if, if it was at Menlo or anywhere, frankly, where you didn't feel like you were allowed to take this step, where it felt like there were unnecessary complexities before you took this step, where maybe it felt like there was a, a maturity bar that you had to clear that you didn't feel like you did. Uh, first of all, I'm sorry. Like that's not, mm. that's not. Um, something we see in the Bible, uh, a statement of baptism, per- particularly for those in the first century who were deciding to follow Jesus and then subsequently getting baptized, it was never a statement of their maturity. It was never that. Um, many people, I mean, they, it was literally, they were, they had been Christians for just a few minutes. Uh, so they had not gotten their house in order yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for you, if, if that's something that you want to take a step into, fantastic. And then I think it's great as a follow-up, you know, we have the information from those people um, and we're going to go chase down stories and we're going to help figure out what their next step is. And I love that we're going to have to figure out what that next step is. You guys mm-hmm. talked with Donovan last week, right? Hey, what happens if you have that conversation with a friend and now that friend's like, okay, I'm in, what do I do next? I love mm-hmm. that that's revealed, A, we don't have a good answer for that. 
and B, we get to come up with one, mm-hmm. right? And the fact that we're thinking about how do I deputize men and women in our church to help have that conversation? Like, how do you help that person um, begin to have time with God every day? How do you help that person begin to prioritize worship in a community? How do we help that person develop relationships with other followers of Jesus? How do we help that person have a framework for serving, for giving, for life of generosity? Like these things that if you've been following Jesus for a long time, you just sort of swim in it. Um, but if you're not a follower of Jesus, the cultural assumptions that you're making about what it means to be a part of a church, some of those may be helpful, but a lot of them probably aren't. And so, uh, yeah, there's there's context to our faith, mm-hmm. and there is content to our faith. Mm-hmm. And yeah, we can we can communicate that all before someone makes a decision to get baptized. Uh, but I also think it's equally valid uh, for some of that to come after, because that's the way it happened in the New Testament. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And on one, one extreme is exactly what you're saying. It's an opportunity for someone to just say yes right there in that moment. On the other extreme, in someone that might be carrying some past hurts of, you know, weaponized emotional moments in a service and contextual pressure within that congregation Mm -hmm. of everyone looking at me because I haven't gotten baptized yet. So we just want to be clear, like we are doing this in the first way. We we do not want to pressure people into doing things that they do not want to do, but we also want to provide space for the work that God is doing inside people. Mm -hmm. 100%. Yeah, yeah. And it's not it is not a hierarchical thing, right? One of the things, honestly, that I love about the fact that we do this in a multi-site environment with multiple services at all of our campuses, right, is that um, nobody's nobody's glaring at you, <laughs> kind of going like, you ready? Are you ready to do this? Are we going to mm-hmm. do it? Mm-hmm. Um, this is between you and the Lord. And so uh, <laughs> we want to provide freedom for people to take their next step. We do not want to put pressure on people to take a step that they're not ready spiritually mm-hmm. to take. And that's not just baptism, by the way. That's even people who are like finding helpful community at Menlo. Um, and, mm-hmm. it, you know, Donovan talked about this last week on the podcast, this idea that we'll uh, find a way to belong, like we want to provide that context before someone even believes. Uh, man, we, I don't want to put pressure on people to pray a prayer that they're not ready to pray. Mm-hmm. Um, I want them to take the step that God feels. Now, do I want them to become a Christian? Yes. Cards on the table. I think I've made that pretty clear. Really do. Mm-hmm. Um, but I can't do that for them. That's mm-hmm. going to be a decision that's between them and the Lord. So, uh, yeah, I, I think for sure. What does it mean for us to demonstrate radical hospitality? Uh, in the context of providing space for people to take a step when they're ready for it. Awesome. So good. Mm -hmm. So any other thoughts on baptisms before we get excited about seasons coming up this next week? Uh, Yeah, I think I just want to make sure that I sort of double-click and remind people that a faith decision for Jesus is not just additive, Hmm. um, that repentance means there are some things that actually have to change in my life. And I know how countercultural that is. Um, There's like a bunch of things, some of which that are very normal in church culture that are like easy for us to understand. And then some of some of them that we have, especially inside of conservative evangelicalism, sort of just decided we don't worry about that, even though Jesus seems really passionate about it. There's a really helpful book called What If Jesus Was Serious? Um, And Mm. it's, it's really small. It's actually got a bunch of graphics in it. Um, it's one of my kind of devotional books that I go through sometimes, but it's through the Sermon on the Mount, and it mm-hmm. talks about the paradigms that Jesus talks about and how different they are from the paradigms of our moment. Um, and if your life has not had to have significant change in it as a follower of Jesus, it might be a helpful book for you to go, oh man, mercy and justice, those are those are like really things for Jesus. That's not just a thing he <laughs> says. Least of these, he really cares about those. Uh, welcoming the stranger, that does not seem optional. Um, What does it mean for me to understand my relationships, friendships, and romantic relationships through the filter of the way of Jesus? That seems to really matter. Um, And so, like, we don't get to pick and choose the ones we feel comfortable with or to other people. Like, we should begin with, okay, what does it mean for me not to have all my stuff together instantly, but to understand I should be on a path of repentance for the indwelling sin that exists in my flesh and is constantly, Romans 7, seeking to really do damage to me and the witness of my life to others. So um, if you missed that in the message, maybe that's a good book reference for you to go check out. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Okay. Seasons, Jess? Yeah. We got a new series starting this week called Seasons, Permission to Feel. Mm. You want to give a quick summary of that? Yeah. So um, I think there's a whole uh, whole range of emotions that all of us have. Like we know that. 
I think that the longer you're in church, the more it can seem like there's only a handful of emotions that we're supposed to have. And especially if you're like a quote-unquote good Christian, that that set of emotions is by and large like joy, peace, Mm -hmm. happiness. Mm -hmm. Um, But when we look at the book of Psalms in particular, David and then some others, um, they share through poetry and songs, they share a very wide range of emotions that they're using in really these prayers to God. And I think that it serves as a great reminder uh, that what we don't let God transform, we will transmit. And so we will we will get stuck in these patterns. And, and sometimes what happens is we like actually try to bury the feelings that we don't want. Um, and all that does actually is like sickness and disease, it grows in the dark. And so all that stuff just sort of grows in us. And so actually we're really depressed or we're really anxious or we're really um, frustrated, or we're really disappointed, right? These words that we know don't always feel compatible with Jesus' faith. Uh, I think they actually all are. And Jesus wants to do transformation work in those areas of our life. And the first one is sort of if you've ever tried to keep a balloon or a ball underneath the water and it pops out, like I think the first step is just letting it pop out. And so hopefully over the next few weeks mm. through the work, through these Psalms, we're just going to give per- people permission to say, hey, there are, just like there are seasons in a year, there are seasons in your life, there are seasons in your faith, and acknowledging that is actually what will help you navigate through the season. For some people, uh, they have lived in this weird place of winter while they pretended they were in the summer mm-hmm. for a long time because they never admitted it. They never acknowledged it. And so hopefully um, it'll give people, we got some tools that we're going to provide over the course of the series and um, even just some practical ways to talk about and understand our feelings. And maybe that's for you as an adult. Maybe that's for you as a parent, giving your kids permission, students permission uh, to be able to articulate some of that themselves. Uh, but I think faith communities, there's a great book called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality that I'll reference. Um, if you haven't worked through that book and you've been following Jesus for a while, it's a great book. Um, but this idea that uh, we actually, we want to show up as our whole self. And uh, Brene Brown talks about the instinct that we have is I'm going to turn down 10% of my anxiety. I'm going to turn down 20% of my depression. I'm going to turn down. And um, if you have a clinical diagnosis to something like we're pro doctors and pro medicine and pro help. Um, but I also think like you, you, we're making global changes. We only have one dimmer switch for our personality. And so when we go, I'm going to turn down uh, this part of me, I'm actually turning down all of me. And so really genuinely letting God in. And that's mm-hmm. probably through pastoral guidance. That's probably through pursuing mm-hmm. Jesus. That's probably through uh, some doctors and professional care, all of it together. God uses all of it so that on the other side of it, the 100% of you is the transformed version that included all of those feelings along the way. So we're just going to talk about that. Hopefully it'll be a great permission-giving series uh, to folks that call Menlo home today and um, to those who maybe don't or have just recently made a decision to follow Jesus and let them know that this this faith in Jesus does not need to be a phony, forced faith. It can be something that's genuinely expressing how they're really doing. Yeah. You can go to menlo.church slash seasons to check out all of those resources. We're also going to have a card available every week that's got a really cool emotions uh wheel that Mm. kind of connects to each uh season plus a different Mm -hmm. psalm that kind of goes with that just really great resources for this series i'm super excited about it very exciting lots of exciting things here text us if you need anything 650-600-0402 if you want to get involved and get uh off of the bleachers and into the game alongside with us as we are starting these new series doing things like studio updates learning how to get people to do stuff like edit this podcast from home text us and let us know we'd love to extend that opportunity to you and extend more time um for God to do amazing work in and through you to reach those around us in the Bay Area. Yeah. Amen. So thanks. thanks. Thanks, Phil. Thanks, everybody. Great job. Great hang. See ya. Bye.